Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Christmas in Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Welcome to the final episode of Disneyland for Designers for the year. (laughs) I'm not done just yet. No siree. So many more Disneyland stories to tell. So many more attractions and lands to properly break down the design perspectives of how these beautiful transformations happen right in front of our eyes and warm over our hearts. But before we get into today's final episode of 2020, I feel that I need to uh, look back on the year that was, a year that this project really took shape and kind of changed its whole direction, its whole philosophy, and, and everything that was sort of Disneyland for Designers, which was originally conceived to be a once-a-month episode between me and my great friend Jared Maruyama, in which we would look at details of Disneyland and really break down into the very specific finite details of the park. One attraction, one land, one thing once a month. Jared is an incredibly busy artist. Uh, You know that you've seen his merchandise at Disney parks worldwide. And when the lockdown happened, uh, Jared and I sort of went in two different paths. Everything's cool. We're still friends. At least I think so. I hope so. Now we are. I'm just just adding in some drama. But originally it was conceived to be a once a month project. And that's the type of bandwidth that, that Jared has room for because of the high demand of his job. And for me, this is what I do as my full-time job. So to just pull one episode a month and convert it to Disneyland, I don't think that would upset too many of my proud members of the Circle of Trust. And believe it or not, they're all not believers in the magic. And many of them say, ah, I'm going to skip the Disneyland episode and go to the next design or, or Hammer Time, whatever we have going on over at the network, Adventures in Design Network. So this was kind of an interesting moment because I felt that I personally I needed this weekly because that's what I did in the real world back in 2019. I would go to the park once a week, every Tuesday, and it just felt very strange not having that in my life. And so a couple of people to think. First off, I want to thank Jared for being incredibly uh, gracious and understanding. I think that's the way that I'm supposed to say this and that he knows that this is my full-time job and that I'm going to do it weekly. I never burdened him or bothered him with saying, so we're doing this once a week because that would just be incredibly rude because he's so busy being Jared. So he was completely understanding of the new direction of the show and the frequency that I would do it. And I always appreciate people that can sort of see their place in a project, understand what they need to get out of it, and also understand that other contributors of that project need much more. So for me being the full-time podcaster, going once a week was sort of paramount for me on this journey. But I also want to thank members of the Circle of Trust because doing this once per week, for many of them, meant that once a week I was doing a show about a topic that they don't really uh, all care about. Newsflash. Shocking, I know. But on top of that, they're the people that have paid for this for the last year. See, the way that it works is typically I do a podcast that runs 45 minutes long. The second 45 minutes, or sometimes the second two hours, is Circle of Trust bonus content. That's how I've been able to be a professional podcaster now uh, for six years and nearly 1300 episodes. 
So by doing this project once a week, it was giving some people content that maybe they don't care about, but also doing it once a week for completely free. There are some of you that have pledged over on Anchor. Uh, I really, really do appreciate that. And I don't want to discourage or, or, or take away from any of the people that have been amazing donors over on Anchor. But if I'm going to be fully transparent, as of the time of recording this, uh, those donations have totaled 400 and something dollars. I haven't taken one nickel out of that fund. So um, newsflash, $400 over nine months is nothing that you can live off of here in Southern California. So largely, members of the Circle of Trust have paid for this content for so many people to consume for free uh, when many of them are skipping it and also not seeing any bonus content. So I, if I'm going to thank people as I wrap up my year, I have to thank those folks for saying, uh, we trust Mark. This maybe isn't the content that I want, but whenever Mark makes content, he always turns it into a good story, a good learning lesson of, hey, this was the year where Mark started a whole secondary podcast platform, and they know that all of the lessons that I learn over here will somehow trickle into Circle of Trust content, like how did the year work? What did I get out of this? Where am I going with this? And they already know way more about where this is going than many of you do. Because for them, it's not always about the content. It's the story behind the content, the strategies, the way that I'm building my business, because I give them full transparency. Just like I told you that I've only made like $400 on this project, which I'm thankful for. But realistically, that's just not enough to move the needle in my life, which gets into where we're going with this next year. My dream is to continue to do Disneyland for Designers once per week. I really, really enjoy that. My dream is also next year to get ahead of the content schedule and to have the episodes out at midnight so they're always there for your car ride or whatever you're doing. But also, if I'm being fully transparent, in 2021, this will become a paid service. Every episode will not be entirely free. Uh, there will be a paid wall. You'll still be able to listen to a lot of content if you can't afford it. And I understand it's tough times, but it's also tough times for the Bricky Man. So there will be free content. There'll be a paid wall. There'll be bonus content. There'll be exclusive episodes, exclusive live streams, like that whole thing that so many people do to make this content monetizable so people can make a living off of it. But instead of just saying, hey, here's a Patreon, here's the money that I want from you, I'm going with a full-on program, just like I did with Adventures in Design and creating this circle of trust, which has become a real live community where those folks started doing a coffee chat. They get together every single day. I'm not really a part of it because I always believe that the audience should have room to fill the community that they are uh, separate from the the host or the the talent if you will that brings it all together so many of these people like they get together every single day when they can they turn on the zoom camera they get together and they have like a coffee chat they hang out there's a fully uh, slack channel where so many of these people talk about you know design projects work life mandalorian whatever pops up you know it's a full-fledged community that the show helped discover but now it's become so much more than the show and i hope to do that with disneyland for designers but instead of just saying hey here's my patreon could you please give me money to make content oh that's not the way that i roll so club 1313 will become a real actualized club in the new year where you can join this club and one of the perks of it will be more content from me but the other very valuable part of it will be in this disneyland club a club for fans of the park uh, a poor man's 33 if you will where we can get together 
talk about our fandom, enjoy unique activities that are exclusive to club members. So that's something that will be coming up in the next year. And that is something that was birthed out of this 2020 because I really enjoy doing this. It makes me very, very happy. And if there's a way that I can turn it into a business where I can justify to keep doing it, you better believe I'm going to keep doing that because my life motto has always been to double down on fun. And this comes from a very simple lesson that I learned from somebody who's trying to teach me the opposite. See, I come from a broken family and have zero relationship with my mom, but I had a stepmom who was a big part of my life. And my stepmom really, uh, she tried. She tried, but fundamentally was a flawed individual and uh, somebody who wasn't in touch with her emotions. So therefore, how could she guide me with mine? I had pretty good grades in school. I had perfect attendance because I hated my house and I always wanted to be at school every single day. So the only days that I missed for the whole four years of being in high school were the days I was suspended for fighting. And the reason why I got in fights is because I was a product of bad geography. You see, I love this thing called MTV. I love skateboarding. I love punk rock. I love alternative culture. And I could see a world so much bigger than the world that I was living in back in Kentucky. And therefore, I wanted to be on the other side of the glass. I wanted to be inside of MTV. I wanted to be inside of the culture. So I would get picked on a lot because I just was a fish out of water. And, uh, you know, small-minded people from a smaller community, they like to pick on those that are different because somehow that makes them feel better about themselves. So the point of this is, though, is that with good grades and perfect attendance, I would often say, hey, I would like to go see some bands play in Louisville this this weekend uh, at the skate park. And I felt that I had earned this because I was working, you know, a job. I got no allowance money whatsoever. And I was, you know, doing, doing my thing, carrying my weight. Good grades, perfect attendance, part-time job. I just want to go see some bands play over at the skate park with my friends and just, you know, be a part of the scene. And uh, often I would be told, no, you can't go. And when when I would do a slight pushback, because I knew I was defeated here. I knew that I just had to buy my time and that eventually I would get out of this house. Not my sister. (laughs) My sister is a fighter. My sister pushed back on everything. And I kept looking at her like, yo, you're going to just make your sentence so much worse for you. Uh, But ultimately, I would move out in my senior year of high school and just go do my own thing. And uh, one of the reasons why I did that is because in these moments when I'd say, can I please go out this Friday? The answer would be no. And I would say, do you mind? Why not? Why can't I go? Tell me why I can't go. What more could I do? Spotless room, doing everything that I'm supposed to do as a kid. And the answer was, you've had too much fun lately. You've been having too much fun lately. Words that I would rebel against and literally live a life where fun is the definition of what I'm doing. And so friends, I wrap up this year telling you that even though 2020 has been a miserable year, I've still had fun. I've still had about as much fun as you can squeeze out of this year. And keeping Disneyland open when it's closed, that's my personality. That is the imagination that I've lived in for my entire life that has gone on way too long and I will no longer say my age publicly. But the idea of too much fun is impossible to me because the definition of life is to have all of the fun that you can with all of the people that are fun to be around. 
And when I found Beloved Disneyland, I found a place that is defined on fun. It runs on fun. Fun is its export, and that's why it's known as the happiest place on earth. But going someplace that is happy by yourself, you can catch a contact buzz. You can feel the happiness. But to truly soak it in and to truly feel that happiness, you got to do it with people that you love and you care about. So I want to give a, a quick shout out to my good friend, Carrie, and my good friend, Louie, who are going to be on this episode. Well, Louie is, not Carrie. Carrie's uh, he's a little feral. <laughs> I think I would have to protect him against himself before we could podcast together. But oh my Lord, the stories this man could tell you. One day when he hangs up his mouse ears, I would love to have a debrief tell-all of being a lifelong, hardcore Disneyland fan. But my friend Carrie, who I met through Jared, uh, when we were hanging out one night after going to the club and having a good time, I said, hey man, if you ever want to take a lap around Disneyland, give me a call. I'm always here. I, I love just taking a lap around it. And that became the vibe of going to the park, taking a lap. And hey, do you mind if my friend Louie goes with us? No, I don't mind if Louie goes with us. Happened to be that Louie was an architect. He works for RIM, R-I-M, which is a local architect firm that does a lot of the work for Disneyland. Now, Disneyland has their Imagineers that designs everything from head to toe. And they are meticulous and they overlook every detail. But they're not always the people that are hammering the hammer or pouring the steel or welding the welding pieces and parts, running the electricity. They're the curators, the art directors that oversee everything that gets done, but they work with a lot of outside sources, you know, that do various tasks for their construction projects. And my friend Louie, who works for RIM, is an architect that oversees a lot of projects at the park. And hanging out with Carrie, a lifelong Disney fan, and then meeting Louie and, and Jared when he was in town and a couple of other rascals that would come and go. I have my friends. I have my California friends that I met, but we all kind of know each other through punk and hardcore, my long relationship with the violent gentleman and my friend Biggie, and then all these other people that I know through the arts community, DKNG, like just so many awesome friends that I just had coming out here because I was a made man in, in the world of culture. Because after all, I was a little kid from Kentucky that wanted to be on the other side of the glass and, and immersed in the culture. But as I met Jared through the art world, and then I met Carrie, there was a transformation happening where I was making my Disneyland friends. And I was meeting with the guys. Hey, Beth, I'm going to go meet with the guys. I'm going to go hang out with the guys. And mostly on a Friday night, sometimes a Saturday, but mostly Friday nights after everybody got off of work. We'd meet on the stairs of the Main Street train station and we would take a lap and we would go around and we'd cut up and talk about this and talk about that. And, you know, Louis being an architect would always give us like this crazy insight. Me being an obsessed fan, I would give my rebuttal and Carrie just being, uh, you know, sort of a provoker would bust our balls on both perspectives. And we just had this really fun trio of friends and when jared was in town he'd be a part of it and sometimes the uh, wonderground gallery artist mcbiff would join us and there would be you know hey this person's joining us at the club but we were sort of the core and one year ago today we did a disneyland vip guided tour 
And friends, you know the feeling of not being able to go to bed the night before a trip out to the park. But let me tell you, after I'd already been 500 times, I was beside myself. When we were at home a week or so prior, back in New York with my wife's family, I kept telling everybody, I'm like, yeah, but when we get back to California, I have the greatest Christmas gift waiting for me on Christmas Eve's Eve, the day that I record this. I will be going to Disneyland for a guided VIP tour. And to me, it wasn't about cutting the line and getting on the rides, although it was nice to finally get to ride Radiator Springs sitting next to my wife and not being in a single rider situation, but it was access to learn more about the park. And my friend Carrie, I'll tell you why he's a great friend. He's a curator of conversation. He knows which people to put together at a table to have a great conversation. A lifelong salesman, but also a creative and that his sales portion of the world was all fundamentally around creativity and marketing. And, you know, this is your company, but how do you communicate with your customer? How do you solve your customer's needs with good designs and good products? Well, a good salesman always is a good leader of conversation, but a good leader of conversation also knows how to listen. And this is something that I've been working on because it's hard when your job's always talking, but he was always so good at putting together a table of four or five different folks and having these great conversations where we literally would shut down the restaurant and then get guided out of the park and just have a tremendous time. Just kind of, I think, more fun than most people are accustomed to having in the second chapter of their life. And who makes new friends in the second chapter of their life? And who makes new Disneyland friends in the second half of their life? All things to just be blessed with to be at this age to have your buds to go hang out with a conversation that never ends on a night that never ends at a place that is defined as the happiest place on earth I had made my accomplishment I had discovered the way to have too much fun And so when we did our tour, to me, it's not about cutting lines. To me, it's about more access to the park, learning more. And Carrie, being a great curator, he demanded, we almost switched our whole day around because like, I want Mark to have this specific tour guide because I know that's what Bricky will want. And in the Grand Californian Hotel Lobby, I'd already talked to him on Instagram because as soon as Carrie said, this is the guy who's going to be our tour guide, I went and followed him and and DM'd him and said, hey man, I got you coming up as a Christmas gift in two weeks. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to hang out. And let me tell you, friends, when I met Philander Butler, it was like I'd met a long lost brother because our love of the park is mutual, but we love it from the same philosophy. We both love the, the fable of Walt building this thing from from sand into hopes and dreams and then sharing it with the world several times over. We both sort of have a wasn't born into nice things kind of perspective, worked hard to be where we're at. And uh, not only did that tour come with an amazing experience with all of my friends, but it came equipped with a new really good friend 
and a new good secondary co-host for Disneyland for Designers. And because of Jared's uh, sort of mindset and, and schedule due to coronavirus, getting to hang out with Philander, doing a couple episodes, recording over the internet, which I really despise doing, but then hanging out IRL once a week and recording episodes. I can't thank him enough for sharing his love of the park, sharing his unique, unique insight by being a VIP tour guide and really knowing how all the magic comes and goes. As you know, I don't ever really pry too much on air or ask too much, but he's always willing to tell us what he can and uh, to be keeping the torch alive next to him. It's a real, real honor to do that. And it's an honor to always have Jared on the show, Justin Strange, Cheesy Pop, my friend Tavo, the kid who grew up next to Disneyland. Like I'm always just looking for people that have this mutual love and mutual admiration. And I remember at the end of that tour, which was just probably one of the most, well, I mean, definitely one of the most phenomenal Disneyland days that I'd ever had. I can still remember standing on the corner on Main Street, right in front of the Market House, a.k.a. the Starbucks. And we were all saying goodbye and wishing each other a Merry Christmas because, after all, it's now midnight and it's now officially Christmas Eve. We had made it through that last regular day. We made it through that day and we were in full-on Christmas mode. And as me and Carrie and my friend Louis Garcia, who you'll meet on today's show... Uh, a talented architect, a, a lifelong Disney employee. He was a cast member in high school and, and through college and then switched over into the world of architecture and now somehow has come back into the resort. Uh, fun fact, and I'll keep it vague, but I have a friend, my friend Louie, who has a room named after him in Disneyland. And fun fact, he's not dead. You'll hear on today's show. He's a little bit of a quiet guy, and I kind of keep him in a little bit of a box because I don't want any of these people to ever say anything that would make Disney frown upon them being on the podcast because the podcast is always about the love of the park, our admiration of the park, but in a very fun and friendly way where you feel like you're hanging out with friends. But yes, Louis is very much alive and very much has a room at the park with his name on the wall dedicated to him. And oh, let me tell you, it's a huge room. You can barely see the other side when you're standing at the top of it. And I'll leave it at that. But I remember talking to my bud, Carrie, my bud, Louie. And we're standing on that corner on Main Street in front of the market house. And I just said, fellas, we have had an unbelievable Disneyland year. And I said to each of them, meeting you guys, forming our friendship, coming here, doing laps, shutting it down together. I just told him each, I'm like, I couldn't have asked for anything more this year. And when I realized that the park was going to be closed much longer than anybody was anticipating, I've been predicting the whole rest of the year would be shut down way sooner than most folks did. I was willing to admit it because I could see the writing on the wall and I still believe that the reopening date will be July 17th, 2021, or maybe a month earlier or after, but I believe we're looking at a late spring, early summer reopening date. I said to myself that I don't want the feeling of standing on that corner to be taken away from me. I don't want to be robbed 
of this place that I love, but most importantly, the memories that this place invokes. And how when you go there with friends, you become better friends. When you go there with family, you remember all the good times. Because the best thing about waiting in this line, waiting in a line, is all of the time you have for a conversation. So when I realized that things were where they were at, I made my play of going in weekly. And I've thanked Jared for his understanding of how I said, hey, let's do this thing together. And I'm like, by the way, I'm going to pivot and go in this direction. But you're always welcome anytime you want to be a part of it whenever you have time for us. And he's been amazing at honoring that. And Philander coming on board and being like, can you actually even technically be on a podcast? And Philander becoming a very regular co-host and using all this downtime that he's had to still feel like he's in the park and talk about his love of it and Justin and Max and Tavo, the other co-hosts I've had on here. And I can't forget Tasha from over at Pixar for talking about all the work that she did at the Pixar Pier. But I also want to thank you. I want to thank you for going on these trips with me. Your comments when you talk about the show, and it's been pretty quiet the last couple of weeks, but I get it. It's a busy time of the year. Your comments when you talk about the show, when you share the show, it means the world to me. Because literally, I upload these once a week, and I just I just wait to see what you're going to say about it. Because that's the moment when I feel like I'm there at the park with you. So whatever joke that gets you going, or whatever fun fact, like, whoa, I didn't know this was a thing, or whatever new inside joke gets discovered, and there's a couple coming up in today's episode, it's you opening up that, revealing it, and sharing it that always makes me feel like, yes, I went there with you. So it's been a very wild year. It's been a very interesting year. And I think that this is a year where it defines character. I've been in bad spots in my life before. I hope to not be in them again. But I remember being too young to know what I was doing, but consciously making the decision of, hey, Are you going to let this mom that deserted you hold you back? Are you going to let these redneck bullies hold you back? Are you going to let the lack of any college money saved for you hold you back? Are you going to let bad geography hold you back? Are you going to let a lack of artistic talent hold you back on being an artist? Are you going to let the fact that you have a poor understanding of the English language hold you back for talking for a living? And I believe that we always have a decision to make. Am I going to be a victim or am I going to be a survivor? And when I saw coronavirus peer its ugly spiked head, I just said to myself, this will be a defining moment. And some people will lose because of coronavirus. They will lose their homes. They will lose their jobs. They will lose their health. And some will lose their life. But I vowed that I would be one of the people that wins from coronavirus. And that may sound uh, ugly. That may sound not cool, man. But if you look back in history, every major chapter, there's been winners and there's been losers. And it ain't no big deal if I quote John Mellencamp, who, by the way, my aunt went to her prom with. But if you look at every major chapter, it's a defining moment. And you have to decide which side you're on. And I have actively worked, forgive me, I normally don't cuss here, 
but I've worked my ass off this year, devoted myself to keeping the Disney spirit alive. And for anyone who wanted to go in on a live stream or a podcast, if you close your eyes, if you use your imagination, hopefully you have felt like you were there with a friend. And so I end this year with a message to you. Even though we can't float on those beautiful gondolas through It's a Small World, for for the very, very first time, we typically see the new year illuminated next to the Eiffel Tower. Look on the backside for Mary Blair holding the balloon. But even though we're getting ready to get into a new year, if you really want change, that change starts with you. It starts with you being a good friend to yourself. It starts with you being a good family member to your family. And it also starts with you being a good friend to your community. That's where 2021 becomes better than 2020. And it starts with you. You and only you can make it a better year. So don't do that mistake that a naive young girl does on her prom where she thinks, being in this beautiful dress with the high schooler of my dreams, they're going to play my jam and my prom's going to be beautiful and magical. It doesn't work. How many people do you see that get let down at New Year's Eve parties because they somehow think that the party is going to make it all happen? And I say to you, friend, you can't trust the party to be a good time. You got to trust you to be a good time. The party lives within you. And when you look back on your life, some of the best memories are those moments where you took control and made the situation what it is. What I'm talking about, friend, is having too much fun. So with this new year comes up and we're all very eager to close the last page on 2020, remember that it's up to you to make this the best year possible. And take it from your old friend, Bricky. In 2021, are you going to decide to be a winner? Or are you going to decide to be a loser? Because some people this year are going to lose it all. And some people are going to somehow come out on top. And I invite you to join me on that side. And I invite you to join me in Club 1313 if it's possible for you. Or if not on the other content where I will continue to take you into the park, even when it's closed and friends, the plans I have for the club and for my content, when I actually can put a foot back on main street, (laughs) I feel sorry. I feel sorry for the other Disneyland podcasts. I feel sorry for the other Disneyland YouTubers because they have no idea. They have no idea. Long live the King. Scar's a good guy, right? That I use that quote properly. Friends, it's the final episode of Disneyland for Designers for the 2020 year. I'll be back on the first full week of January with a new episode for you. And uh, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody. Document this wild year and sort of break down what my personal accomplishments were, where my personal mindset was, so that hopefully I could inspire you to make this next year the best year of your life. 
So even though one year ago I was standing on the corner of Main Street in front of the market house and I got to have this conversation with my good friend Carrie and my good friend Louis Garcia, who you'll hear on today's episode when Philander and I each took all the various Disney projects and we ranked them, the one we're least excited about to the topic excitement. We did not let Louis rank because uh, Louis works for the park and I didn't want any sort of like, uh I got to rank these in a certain way because I know people that are working on the projects. He will just be our 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 professional commentator that will give his insight. But I want to say this to you. What I said to my friends IRL inside of Real Disneyland last year, I want to say this to you. Hey, we've had a good Disney year. We've had a great Disney year. We've created a lot of memories in our imagination. We've done the impossible on keeping this thing open, keeping the hope alive. And when there's a whole other corner of the internet of everybody just complaining, when's it going to open? When's it going to happen? We said the hell with that. And we opened it in our hearts and our imaginations. And what more could you ask for? So friend, if you ever smiled, if you ever chuckled, if you ever got goosebumps, if the show ever made a little bit of magic leak out of your eyes, I thank you for showing up and taking a lap with me around Walt's original Magic Kingdom because it has been an honor to be your flannel vest tour guide and I can't wait to do it with you in the new year. This went on a little bit longer than what I thought, but when I talk to you, I just can't stop because I love you for showing up. We're family, you and I. We got this. We love this. We'll keep it open. What do you say we get started with our last episode of the year? To you and to your family, I hope that you have an amazing holiday, and I wish for you a better and brighter tomorrow that you are way more in control of than you probably are even aware of. Here's to a big, bright, beautiful tomorrow. Flander, welcome back. It's good to be back. And we have a new guest with us this week. Louie, welcome to Disneyland for Designers. How are you doing, bud? Good. Thanks for having me. So Louie is an expert in the world of Disney in that you were a cast member when you were in high school. That's correct, yes. Cast member your way all through college. Mm-hmm. Not going to hold it against you that you were part of Utopia. <laughs> You know, I've got a, I got a score to settle with Utopia. Okay, okay. But you got good memories of Utopia. Very good, yes. And when you became a quote-unquote adult and you decided to do a for-real-person job, you got into the world of architecture. You work for a local architecture firm that does a lot of work for Disneyland. Correct. Yes, they, they are one of our clients. So they have their Imagineers that draw out and come up with all these crazy ideas, but then Disney will work with other local companies to actually fabricate and build everything, correct? Yes. Whenever they have a need, they'll come and ask for some help. That's awesome. And so you now have this bizarre perspective of being a fan, lifelong fan, working there as an employee, and now working there as an outside contractor. And in that weird part of being there after hours when the parks close, like just being a part of things outside of what any fan ever gets to see. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's been a fun adventure. I mean, like you said, starting in high school, just working attractions Yeah. and then uh, seeing attractions, what was considered East side attractions, which Philander probably knows well, mm-hmm. uh, anywhere. And that, east side? <laughs> yeah. East side <laughs> is uh, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland and Toontown. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Oh, I call that tear it down side, but go <laughs> 
Well, yeah, so there is a fondness with Tomorrowland in my heart, like the people mover and everything. Oh. But, uh, yeah, got to work a lot of the attractions in that land. More of a rocket rides guy, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Just, just like, sorry about that. <laughs> Did you even get to ride that? No, way okay. before my time. I got to do it. I got to do it one time. Oh, yeah. That's BC, before Bricky got to the part. <laughs> so you worked Atopia. But what did you work? So you worked all the attractions in that little area over there? Yeah. Dumbo, uh, teacups. Uh, Classics. Yeah. And then uh, Toontown. The, I heard you talk before about that little trolley that would go around. I drove did it. it. Ever, I you drove, drove it. it? Yep. Jolly oh trolley. God, the jolly trolley. <laughs> I had my hat on and everything. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. That's a job I would like. Yeah. And uh, I mean, at an eight-hour shift and you go back and forth in mm-hmm. Toontown, yeah, <laughs> that's an adventure. You guys will for sure know that I've lost it when you see on local news that Area Man <laughs> yes. did a lap around Disneyland on the Kalamazoo handcart. You know that orange <laughs> yes. thing that's parked out in front of the Main Street train station? When you just hear me going, I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> just jacking that thing all the way around. Like, just take me to jail. I'm done. So you did that for a while. How much of a space is in between you leaving Disney as a cast member and then like you leave your last day at Disney and then you come back one day with a name tag on to as part of your architecture firm? Like what's the gap between those two moments? Um it was probably about probably about 12 years. 12 years of no Disney pro. Yeah. So, but but it, uh, I got into architecture because of the theme park industry. Mm. Growing up, that was um, what we did once a year. Mm-hmm. That's how we could afford going to Disneyland, and that was our trip. Even though we're local here, mm-hmm. we would go and get a hotel, and uh, my grandma would get the hotel, and then we would all make a family trip, and that created some sort of vibe, and I always wanted to design a place that you could be the richest person or the poorest person but you get the same experience yeah and uh so going through college um and doing architecture i held on to that so my goal was always to do theme parks and entertainment of some sort and is that uh, a hard sector to find a place in because it seems like as far as that world goes in my estimation that's the funnest thing you could do with that that knowledge so so is mine but to be honest it's weird in architecture world uh, the theme park entertainment world was not really looked at as being architecture. Mm. It was, oh, you're just making a, a fake place. But to me, again, not being able to go to, like, my, my favorite place is Epcot because mm. you can go around to all these different countries. And I could never get away a at that age to go to, you know, Europe and uh, Ireland and, you know, all these yeah, different yeah. places. So that was, that was a really fun experience. Yeah, is, great food know, court. Going around in one, <laughs> one circle and you're getting all these different yeah. country experiences. So, Philander, have you ever worked attractions? No, I did my six mu- uh, six months uh, ticketing, <laughs> and they threw me out of there real quick. They're like, "This guy talks too much. We got to get him uh, talking. <laughs> we got to get him to where talking is the main part of the job." What can we do with Taki over there? Because he's not selling a lot of tickets. <laughs> but I always wanted to work an attraction, like to have a, have an attraction be like a home. Yeah, like I I see the thrill of that. Like even hearing we talking about that, I was like, "Oh, like if I had worked Mansion for a little bit, <laughs> if I had worked you know Pirates for a little bit, then yeah." you know what i consider my true calling there now that oh like i always still think about like that now i can't now going back makes absolute zero sense but i always think about oh if i had just started because they really just i wanted the job they put me where they had an opening you know and and that was it man six months in that ticket booth (laughs) i love disney I, i love disney but i don't know hey 
I was just thinking about this when you were talking. I was trying to think of like, what's an attraction that I would never want to ride, but I'd like to be a, a, a cast member that works on. Mm-hmm. Driving that sub would be sick, <laughs> but being a passenger in that sub, no thank you. <laughs> no you thank your head you. at the top? Oh yeah, <laughs> just a little head on the water the whole time. It's so He's cool. in that one. <laughs> just see that little dirty red beard going around. The- <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, let's start. Last week, I got to tell you my order of, of Star Wars, and you gave a rebuttal. I'd like to hear your order. What we're looking at right now is all of the various Disney Parks projects that are active globally. And, you know, um, I'm just going to – how do you say 2020 was uh, – a weird year. That's a that's a very nice <laughs> that's a very nice way to put it. You're welcome. And uh, we're gonna just kind of look into the future, look at all these various projects. Some will wrap up in 21. Some will wrap up in 22. And some are done, just mm-hmm. waiting for the storm to pass. Oh, I know. So they can. Well, there's a couple on the list here that are done. So Flander, right out of the gate, what do you have at number 12? And then where he can, Louis going to offer a little bit of operational advice on on how things are built, or just sort of the different things that would cause some of these projects to be way bigger than what we're thinking. Basically, he's going to say what he always says when we hang out. Uh, Bricky, you're being naive. You, you, <laughs> you can't you can't do that. Do it in a nice way, though. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't go. Go full carry on me. It's like, Bricky, we talked about this. (laughs) You can't build anything on top of Mickey and Friends. I know you want to build a hotel on top of it, but you can't do it. Could you build a hotel on top of Mickey and Friends? Well, I can't talk about that. Uh, Yeah, I already caught our first red tape. All right. What do you have at number 12? Uh, First one I have at number 12 is the Space 220 restaurant. Woo! And I remember when they first announced that. And they had that concept art. Oh, and bro. Then, yes. Sign me up. And they talked about how you would get there. And I was like, they're wrapping a legitimate story in this restaurant. You're going to get into yeah. a thing and shoot up 220 miles in space. It looked amazing. Yeah. And then it kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And then they it finally showed. It was going to open on uh-huh. February 20th. 220 <laughs> would have opened perfect. in 220. Yeah. And they kept getting pushed back. I heard they had issues like with the, like I think a chef left that was yes. attached to it. Yes. And then they finally- I rolled my eyes at that. Uh-huh. Because if I'm going to a restaurant in outer space, yeah. I don't care. Just serve me Cheez-Its. Yeah. Like, I just want to look out that video window. Yes, the ambience. Like, right. you're selling the experience. It's like the blue bayou. Like, you're you're going there to be sitting next to the boats on Pirates. <laughs> just hear that music. Just see the old old Bricky playing the banjo mm-hmm. over there. That little lap of the water. <laughs> oh, smell. Oh, Hey, I'm telling you guys right now, as soon as I got back into Disneyland in Mm -hmm. 21, whatever water ride I get on, Mm -hmm. whether it's Pirates, Small World, Jungle, no, not Jungle Cruise, (laughs) I'm just, I'm like, I'm just chilling over the edge of the Mm -hmm. boat, scooping up a handful of water and just... (laughs) So you drink that small world water, oh, dude. <laughs> what so keeps good. me looking so young? That's how I got the Dick Clark disease. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had that one, uh, and then just the delay and the delay. And go ahead, say uh-huh. the next part. And then they released that picture from in there, and I was like, oh. JD should have never showed us the Polaroid. Yeah. I was like, I this- mean, <laughs> it, okay, I, I have to jump in. I have this one at six. Okay, okay. Because I'm still holding out hope. You're holding out. But there was a moment when this was like top five for me mm-hmm. because the idea, I, I love the magic show of how are you going to take me into some sort of holding area Yes, and make me feel like I've gone up into the sky. Mm-hmm. Now, making a restaurant feel like outer space, slowly spinning, mm-hmm. you know, doing the video boards all around the windows, that part I get. Yeah. 
but making me feel like I went really, really far up. The story element. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go up. Yeah. That's the part. Like, I understand with the Star Wars Hotel, that magic trick makes more sense to me than this one. Yeah. And I, and I was hyped on it. But you know when you were a kid and they would say, hey, they're making a new Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And they'd show Entertainment Tonight would be there with their cameras. Yeah. And they'd show, like, you know, Michael Keaton run across. And you're like, this Batman movie looks horrible. <laughs> yeah, without the specials. It looks all the stuff like trash. <laughs> like it looks like we could make it in the backyard. But then you see it with the real, you know, uh, cinematic cameras, with the editing, with the color correction. Show lighting. And all show lighting and all that stuff. And you're like, it's the sickest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that JD's Polaroid, because <laughs> that photo they showed it's, just didn't. like blurry, like iPhone <laughs> shot. That but not only, <laughs> not only that, it was just like a couple little stairs in a seat. Yeah. And I just was like. Man, because I think that Space 220 mm-hmm. could be like an every man's 33. Yeah. Right? Like the restaurant where if you go to Epcot, you're like, guess what? We're going to Epcot and we got reservations for mm-hmm. Space 220. You know what I mean? Like, because there, there's that type of thing where it, there's that moment where there's that something that's special to everybody. Yeah. Like Carthay Circle up until a week ago when people were getting those resis to yeah. sit on the sidewalk that was the coveted golden ticket of deal. pandemic disneyland <laughs> so i i'm still holding out faith but hey man it, it could be at at 12 louis for you with this whole world of using video boards as windows is there anything that i'm not seeing is it more complicated than cutting out a hole and putting a tv screen on the other side <laughs> well even before we get into that i, I think it's interesting because um you know your list i don't know what's going to fall within this list but we're talking about a restaurant yeah there could be an attraction there can be perhaps a hotel or something so on all those three totally different experiences so one of them you're capturing i guess for a few minutes mm-hmm. the restaurant's longer a hotel's yeah. even longer than that so i think you got to kind of dive into that too and how are you going to experience it so like for me a restaurant would probably be up there more than an attraction mm-hmm. because i get to experience it for hours right yeah, perhaps right. a couple of hours mm-hmm. right and then on the design side it's tougher how do you entertain somebody for a couple of hours mm-hmm. i mean you've heard on the cruise ships you know when you're in that uh i forgot the name of the the restaurant where it changes while you're eating. Oh yeah, Animator's Palette. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, Ricky. Yeah, he's like, see, of I came, to, you know came to the right guy here that knows everything. That's, I'm going to do that all night. Just uh, you know that one. Flanders going to name it. Hey, Butlerpedia is my go-to guy. <laughs> so, so, but something like that. You, how do you entertain somebody for a couple of hours? Yeah. So that, that's that's the hard part when we start to consider some of these things or mm. even experiences through through lens. Um, so to answer your question, though, the whole screens and everything, yeah, they, they can be utilized, um, but properly. Mm-hmm. I mean, back back to your point, you know, the Polaroid picture that was shared. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that might not have sold it, but that concept art though is great. That's why I've got it at six because yeah. I, I still think because I'm still going with its entertainment tonight at the set of Batman, mm-hmm. being like, this is a horrible movie, yeah. and then you're like, it changed my childhood. See, see, to, to me, I almost pictured eating more in like Rise of the Resistance. You oh. know, during that one room that mm-hmm. you're seeing space out there and the little guns are shooting in front of you. That's oh, an amazing scene. That, so yeah, now put a, put a table in there and have me have a meal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said, honey. The the cannons are going off <laughs> over the top. Me. I was going to say it's a happy birthday. <laughs> boom, 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 doo doo. <laughs> that would be great. What do you have at your number eleven? So number eleven, uh, 
and I hated to put this because I love I I love what it is, uh, but it's the Hotel New York in mm. Paris for Marvel. Um, I appreciate Marvel and all its different ways coming. Um, the hotel seems. I love the subtlety of it. And I think the room that I love the most was, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the concept or the picture of it was the, uh, it looks like a dining room for a restaurant, yeah. but it was Asgard like coming down from the ceiling. So I think it's, it's got a nice, it's like a nice idea to incorporate them. But when you have something like the, the star Wars hotel and other hotels, like I don't know how Marvel fits well. Cause it's almost like it's a museum for Marvel as opposed to like a, um, uh, a storytelling device. Sure. Like, the theme of this hotel is you're underwater or you're in space or you're on the Riviera or in the jungle. And this one's just like, Oh, there's art up. And it's like, it's honors Marvel, but I would have preferred more of a storytelling element. Or like hard rock cafe for comic books. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this at 12 for a very, very practical reason. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to Paris, mm-hmm. I'm going to stay in the city. You ride the train line yeah. to the park. Like, I would have a hard time living in Paris because every time you get on the train line, mm-hmm. the very last stop is just Mickey's head. Yeah. And like, I would be so bummed, like, oh, we're going three, we're going three stops to your mother's house. And I'd just be like, you go have dinner, have baguette, I'm going to the park. <laughs> right? And so to me, I couldn't imagine staying on property in Paris because yeah. Paris. Because Paris. And also, it's. Hotel New York Marvel. So, I mean, this is just really, it's a product that mm-hmm. I'll be excited to see, like, a walkthrough video. Yeah. But it's not something that they're making for me. Mm-hmm. Been to real New York. Yeah. and Love the Marvel stuff, but I, I'm going to be doing other things if I'm in France. Even if it's, like, the options of all the hotels they have on property, that still, I think, would be the last one. Like, I would totally go in to dine there. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm for sure. have a meal and walk through the lobby, but that would, I think, still be the least one that i would stay in of the of the choices there the i don't sorry for not knowing the name but mm-hmm. the epically pink one that you have to walk under to get into their magic mm-hmm. kingdom oh park view in that yeah. one please literally looking directly into the park like oh the my castle from could your you imagine could you imagine just waking up and being like hi castle <laughs> be morning over there can be fantastic <laughs> that doesn't exist in california no. that would be amazing uh louis is it my imagination is this really getting aggressive with the theme of a hotel gets hard because you're just stretched right like hundreds of rooms lots of different floors like it to me it's always like lobby sick restaurant's pretty good elevator and hallway's got some flavor but the time you get to the room it's two mickey hands holding up the lamp yeah yeah no most definitely and then in paris um those hotels were pretty unique so Mm -hmm. back in the day in the 90s when they built paris they asked a lot of the well-known architects to design these hotels. So you had Michael Graves, uh, Predock, and all these other architects. So each one of those was unique in of its own. Michael Graves' work right now is in that weird spot. Mm-hmm. You know how like a, a movie, like right now, the movie that's not cool is uh, the spy that shacked me, right? If I start going, yeah, baby, everybody's like, what are you doing? But that could become cool in like 10 years again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Michael Graves is an artwork. His body of work right now is at a moment where it's really as far away as it's ever been from cool. But my question for you is, does that circle back around and become cool again? I think it's uh, to be seen. I don't know. I mean, uh, for, for myself personally, mm-hmm. um, once, I mean, a better example that some people might know is more like Frank Gehry. 
you know, people either love it or hate it. So that would be something that, you know, you're not going to really change somebody. I think Frank Gehry is just like timeless, though. But but you ask some architects and they are like, ah, not me. Hmm. So but a uh, little bit of you, you love that hotel, the Disneyland Hotel. So uh, my boss that I work with, he actually designed that hotel. He the Disneyland working. Hotel. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, no, it, and I've heard a lot of great stories about that hotel and the way that they wanted it. You know how to look into the park, or maybe it shouldn't look into the park. Mm. But now I agree with you. When when I walk through that hotel, going into Paris for the first yes. time, amazing entry. Yeah. Uh, oh, fantastic! And you, you're yeah. walking, and you're like, people are just staying in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. And, and they had a big uh, discussion on. Do we allow people to stay in a hotel that can look into the park at nighttime? Because they work at night. Yeah, exactly. And there's like so. you know there's going to be bright like not show lights but bright lights down Main Street while they're sweeping mm-hmm. trash, power washing sidewalks, watering flowers. All the time, I'll ask the security guard. I'm like, look, man, just handcuff me to the rail. <laughs> take my phone. I'm not going to take any photos. I just want to see you guys do your thing. I just want to be handcuffed to the rail at the Main Street train station. Per- Preferably next to a bench so I can sit. So I can sit. But I just want to sit and watch that, that mm-hmm. the dozers come out and just do all that magic. Yeah, that night. was an issue that they had with the Paradise Pier Hotel looking into California Adventure because the very backside, almost where Incredicoaster is, is one of the show buildings for um, where the parades are kept. Oh, yeah. So when they bring them out to prep them for starting whatever it is, they have to, the characters have to come out show ready because the people are literally staying right there. All right, there. you can't be like, uh, gotta go do this again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I was like, no, once you step out of that building, there's someone on the sixth floor, eighth floor, 10th floor that has a theme park view from Paradise Street Hotel oh, and I they can that. see right there. Like, so they have to be very careful with that. Wouldn't you be bummed out if you stayed at one of those hotels and like, and when they're like, Disneyland is now closed. Hour for your shopping convenience. And after the hour for shopping convenience, these like auto blinds <laughs> just start dropping. <laughs> You're like going to try to see that last little bit. That's a good idea. What did you have for your number 10, sir? All right. So 10, and this is more of a personal one for me. Uh, I, I put Harmonious. Ah, Epcot. my 11. Mm-hmm. And I was never, a, the. I love Epcot. But Illuminations, my first time experiencing that show was like not a good one. And it made me like really wonder, you know, having that show in the center with the globe and the viewing area, not like how you see it around the entire huge body of water. And the concept art looks great. But I think with a show like my mind or maybe I'm wanting a little bit more because it's reminding me of that time when I watched uh, Illuminations. And the very brief story of that is. Uh, them launching the pyro, which is all low level, nothing high like a mm-hmm. huge, huge high like they do for the um, uh, the main fireworks of the castle. But having a really strong wind that night, and I could not see, and I was like, "Why am I wiping my face a lot?" So I watched the whole show through my camera lens, and when the lights came on at the end of the show, I was covered in ash <laughs> from, from the <laughs> from the pyro. That was low level from that windy day. And I remember after that, I was just like, oh, I don't be like, let's watch Lumination tonight. I'm like, oh, I don't know. So another show on that body of water is making me think about that time. And uh, I just want a little more like I think I'll I definitely will give it a shot. Like like we said last week, you know, Bob's if you're going to do it, I'll be there. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dare me. Dare me not to. Dare me not to be there. So for me, I have it at 11 because I'm not a big Walt Disney World guy. And. Mm-hmm. What I re- this is going to be Disneyland snobbery. I apologize in advance, and I know my shortcomings. But I think I've heard it before. <laughs> what I love 
what I love about uh, Disneyland is the the space restraints. Yes. So the fact that Rivers of America becomes phantasmic and the, the they were able to put World of Color. World of Color was not there when it opened. That mm-hmm. blows my mind. So I love the way that they crowbar show into these spaces. Now I've seen how much space they have in Orlando. I'm like, yeah. it just doesn't impress me. <laughs> like they could float movie screens out there. They could mm-hmm. literally do whatever they want because one, they own that whole area and two, they just have the scale to do everything. Um, and I also think where... And, Lou, I'd be curious to hear what your vibe on this is. You can really oversell these shows with concept art. Because in the concept art, you don't have the elements. You don't Because everybody knows that seeing World of Color more than once, some nights it looks better than others. Yes. Same thing with um, Fantasmic. You know, sometimes the projectors just aren't doing it or the, the water stream's not where it should be. So I really feel like that these shows are kind of are a little bit subject to fail because they can hype you up so much mm-hmm. with comp art. That being said, take me to Florida, give me a long day, mm-hmm. let me finish watching this show, let the magic leak from my eyes, and I'll be <laughs> harmonious was the best thing. <laughs> I loved it so much. So, you know, but with concept art, can you, you guys try to like not oversell things in concept art because it can be a lot easier to make Galaxy's Edge look the way that they did mm-hmm. and what its reality is. And its reality is sick, but where are all those tapestries that were going to be hanging everywhere? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they also just easily, just casually drew, like, 36 aliens cruising into it. <laughs> I've seen Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, again, because I think over time now, um, the Disney fans, and not just Disney, but any park, they really uh, attach themselves to concept art yeah. because they're so excited about what's coming. Mm-hmm. And normally, this concept art comes out a year, two years in advance. Yeah. So that's all they have. I mean, I mean, look what we're doing now with Avengers Campus, or yeah. you know what they did with Galaxy's Edge. I mean, they are nitpicking every little thing in there. Um, so I, I think they are trying to make it as close as possible because when it opens and they don't get that. That little, you know, tidbit in the concept art, there's going to be questions. Well, well, it could have been better because, you know, the concept art showed this and this and that. But for the most part, things change. I mean, things get developed. And also when projects start, a couple, two, five years ahead of time, um, you know, technology isn't even there yet for what they want to do. Yeah. You know, speaking of Marvel Campus or Avengers Campus and concept art, the night that we saw the show lighting on... Mm -hmm. It had that nice blue hue that yes. is put over the comp art. I'm like, this looks just like looking at the... I was actually looking for the guy and his son that are like <laughs> in the foreground. Like, where are those two at? Because it looked that real. What do you have for number nine? Number nine, I have uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure in Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> My ten In line once again. Why do you have it at nine? Um... This, to me, of all of Disney's trackless attractions that they have done thus far is the weakest one, mm-hmm. in my eyes. Uh, it's incredibly screen-heavy. Not that that's a terrible thing, but I appreciate when Imagineering can use the screens as a storytelling device and not as the the focus of the entire attraction. Sure. Um, and it was expected because it involves Remy and... You know, they're shrinking you down to size a mouse. I appreciate the elements. Like, I've watched ride-throughs of it in Paris where... You know, they have rooms where you're actually going through physical spaces and they created massive props to you know give you that feeling of being mouse size, but it's very heavy screen in front of your face. And when you get things like Mystic Manor, Rise of Resistance, uh, Pooh's Honey Hunt, like Remy is just not even close 
uh, the technology obviously there is 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 sound as you got the same vehicles, but they're doing a lot more with you know animatronics, um, uh, fiber optics, you know projections. Orumi is very very heavy screen based, so because of that, I'm not I'm excited again to do it uh, for when it comes to Epcot finally, but it's just not high on the list because uh, it's devoted a lot one way. When I appreciate when they use a lot of different techniques. It's interesting because when this attraction first came out, it mm-hmm. was groundbreaking because it was the first trackless or one of the first trackless yeah, it rides. Was still not as known. Yeah, Pooh's Honey Hunt would be Disney's first okay. one at least, but it was a still groundbreaking at the time. So they're taking something that already exists that's a little long in the tooth as far as theme park technology goes. Mm-hmm. People have rode Rise... They've seen Mickey and Minnie's Runaway if they're in Florida, mm-hmm. and then you're going to put them in this attraction, which I too have rode over in Paris. When I went to Paris, I was like, the very first place I want to go is this attraction. Mm-hmm. I had dreamed of seeing what it was like to be liberated and to be trackless, and I got off of it, and I was like, eh. <laughs> you know, like I, I had a good time, but some of the projections weren't. Once again, they weren't exactly like lined up. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a couple of screens that felt like a little fuzzy or whatever. Um, but what I will say about this for the great people of of Epcot is the facade looks yes. beautiful. Beautiful. So as part of like well rounding out the park, mm-hmm. it does a really really good job of that. And when I see people from the Skyliner, like all the different uh, vloggers, go over the Skyliner and look down at it, like the construction, yeah. As an addition. To the park, it looks like a complete, complete upsell. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as they're like, hey, would you like that to come to California or something else? I'd be like, I would be cool with something else. Yeah. Um, but I do understand the idea of like, this is something that we own. We know how to do this. We've done it once before. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm not going to say it's cheap because all this stuff is millions and millions of yeah. dollars. But for me, it's just not the most exciting thing. But I'm sure for a family attraction, for younger folks, mm-hmm. like, you know, Rise might not be right for everybody, yeah. and this would get you in that world with like a little bit less thrill. A perfect IP uh, for the perfect land, you know. Uh, it's a success over there, you know. Tried and uh, like tried and tested uh, fills out Epcot because that's always been. While adults love it a lot, it can be tough for kids, especially the World Showcase area where they really only have. Uh, Frozen Ever After and the Grand Fiesta Tour. You know, it's World Showcase is tough. Like, I remember being there as a kid, and I appreciate that area much more as an adult now, but, sure. you know, the kid waiting for the next ride, like, World Showcase is not going to do them any justice. Like, yeah. That's a long walk around those pavilions. So that, having that, because I think France is, like, towards the top of it, it's, like, a nice, like, an extra addition to the park, because most of the attractions are very future world heavy at the front. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice addition for them. Man, if they only knew where the world was going, they might not have torn out <laughs> half of that park a week before I the world know. fell apart, right? Like, Poor Epcot. <laughs> I mean, it really is a great symbolism of where we're at. <laughs> Louis, that whole facade around this attraction, it really benefits from the messing with perspective. Mm-hmm. When you get into doing stuff with Disney, how difficult is it constructing force perspective where... You know, it's only because like today I was at DCA Mm -hmm. and I was standing in that back lot, the Hollywood back lot, and there's a billboard on top of that performance stage. And the billboard from that angle looked like it was, you know, 20 feet up in the air. But when I went around to Hollywood Boulevard and I looked at that same billboard, 
that's on top of a quote unquote four story building, it looks like it's so much further up in the sky. <laughs> and I'm just curious, like, is that a hard thing for you to get your your mind wrapped around? Like, okay, so uh, this floor is actually six feet instead of whatever the standard is. Um, no, and and again, we we've done work with uh, not just Disney but other parks as well. And but Disney's a forerunner of of making sure that you're looking at everything from every single angle. Yeah. So so it's even interesting you say that, and I think that's maybe something that's kind of left behind from the the 1.0 DCA yeah, yeah. because um, souvenir. Yeah, because it's the backside. You know, okay, and most people probably aren't looking the way you are, but um, no, I'm normally, full on psycho. Oh yeah. <laughs> But and I did see that video. You're, you're even complaining about the back of schmoozies. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the back of schmoozies is horrible. <laughs> but yeah, no. So when we do talk through projects at times, it's looking at it from every single angle. Wow. And also from a kid's point of view, because I mean, you know, you're going to get critiques, you know, on the blogs and stuff from adults. Sure. Mm-hmm. Some kids probably mm-hmm. too nowadays. Um, but there's the children, the four-year-olds and their experiences. So you're looking at every angle, especially queue lines. Queue lines are probably something that is very interesting because you have to entertain your kid waiting in line if we have lines in the future. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, so all that is taken into consideration on attractions, lands, uh, queue lines, everything. Yeah, that that future of lines and pre-shows because the pre-shows have yeah. been just like a whole new level of yeah. these attractions you know going to see hondo or ray uh it just it, it yeah. builds you know rocket you and i mm-hmm. look yeah. underneath that pipe right. oh, <laughs> you, walk, you walk through that space which is just uh, yeah yeah and okay. so uh, losing that would be uh, a, a bad thing yeah exactly all right what do you have at number eight all right, so my next one is Tron Light Cycle Power Run. <laughs> <laughs> Coming over to the um, U.S. from Shanghai. Have you been to Shanghai? No, that's that's uh, still the, the last one on my list to get to. So you've been to Disney Sea? Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I was not the same as I am now, so I need my, like you have said, I need my like super van trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> next time I go to Walt Disney World, it's going to be like a whole new thing because I yeah. just went there as like, yeah, let's do this. Now yeah. I'd be like, wait a minute. Wait that a minute. trash can is 17 <laughs> feet from that trash can. Um, I I love that they are using Tron. This like resurgence of Tron is really great. And I think it's a horrible property. <laughs> Um, and I, I don't, I know exactly what you're talking about. The aesthetic, like the look of Tron, is great. Is fantastic. Never made a good story with it though. Fantastic. Like, I know what you mean by the story, but the the they're selling that whole experience on the look. Like, it is a beautiful, beautiful building. The attraction is gorgeous. The way it's oh, lit yeah. at night is yeah. stunning. Um, for me, with coasters, uh, I'm a huge fan of them. I, I I love them just as much as the next person. Uh, I am such a stickler for storytelling that I'm always very hesitant with coasters because the experience is so fast. Yes, that I'm like that was cool. Um, I know this was built for the thrill because I know Disney World especially is going to be trying to not necessarily one up the competition in Florida, but they need to continue to put their thrill rides in there here and there. It's a real war out there because it's mm-hmm. a. You know, here you have a lot of people that are uh, APs to both yes. parks. And there's like kind of like, well, let's go over here and go there. And like the blogs cover both of them. So it, it, it's not the same battle. But out in Florida, 
when you've got that precious vacation time yeah. and only so much vacation money, mm-hmm. it is really a battle of like, who are you going to spend your money yeah, on? Yeah, where are you staying? And as other parks start to get their huge coasters and that your Disney doesn't want to lose that thrill, right. the thrill ticket, because while you know we love Big Thunder and the Space Mountain there, the original one, those are not competing with any of the massive things they're building. So adding things like Cosmic Rewind, which we'll talk about later, and Tron... Um, power run that will allow disney to make the coasters they want to make but also add that like bit of thrill that you're not getting from some of the older coasters where we love them for the nostalgia purposes but that big thrill is just not there anymore power runs absolutely beautiful Mm -hmm. like that illuminated canopy is is amazing i'll be curious to see how that ages because we always know that's a problem with Mm -hmm. tomorrowland uh aesthetically like one of the best things i've ever seen how long is the attraction it's a bit over a minute long. <laughs> that's that's my other thing. Like us dedicating that much land to something that's over in a minute is also a big thing for me because that land could also be utilized for a five minute Indiana Jones adventure or right. a uh, five Autopia. minute yeah or eight minute haunted mansion or a five minute Radiator Springs Racers. Like that's like my one thing with coasters is the experience is so fast. And so much like people are like, we got to bring Tron and have it go over Autopia. I was like, you will not use that precious Disneyland no. land for that coaster. You will not. And it doesn't like, fit. It doesn't fit. I tell people that all the time. If that canopy is hanging out over the top of Matterhorn, <laughs> we got <laughs> like, serious, yeah, serious over. problems. It's over. Uh, also, with this attraction, for me, like I'm not really the thrill ride type. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a story type. So it, it, I have it at nine just because. You know, aesthetically, it's beautiful. I know there's a certain amount of the population that love to crush rides. And, yeah. Oh, we did Tron three times. Mm-hmm. But my question for you is, uh, a family waits for Tron 90 minutes. Yep. It's one minute. Does that fall on Plaid's shoulders? Do you get people who are like, <laughs> hey, we waited for four minutes or for an hour and a half. You mean to tell me that thing's he a minute? He just takes them on it again. <laughs> <laughs> just get back on it. <laughs> I remember, Ricky, when racers first opened and they were hitting six to eight hour waits. And it is amazing that was. And that's a five minute attraction-ish. People were still coming off going, oh, that was it. Oh. And, they were, <laughs> and this is racers we're talking about. And they... And the wait was so long that it was diminishing the experience that they had been on, you know. And I laugh because I, I will get someone on a tour on in, you know, 15, 10 minutes. And they're like, wow. Uh, done it. Done it. And then they will like, they get off and they're like, what's next? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's talk about what you just did. Right. Like, so it's it's interesting seeing the different perspective from people. Like, I waited six hours for that. That was cool, but I wouldn't do that again. Or I did it in 10 minutes. And what's the next thing I'm doing? I remember I paid that that ticket to see uh, Guardians mm-hmm. the night before it opened. And then that Saturday morning when it opened to the public, the line went, like <laughs> right when you went into DCA, you, right were, you were in line. And and somebody on one of the blocks said how long the line was. I'm like, you could literally watch both Guardians <laughs> yeah, while Like You could watch so many Marvel movies before you <laughs> even get to the attraction. And I can see how that would ruin things. For me... Not having to wait in line. Let's talk about the virtual queue of yeah. Rise. The virtual queue of Rise, like once you get access, you know at 8 a.m. if today is great or see you again tomorrow. <laughs> and I've been both of those you guys. Know. But the fact that when us psychos got there at midnight and we were there all night, once you got that reservation, you're just free. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like 1.30 
Group 44 is up. May the fours be with you. Yep. And we're on there and we're cruising. And that changed everything because if I would have got there at midnight and I was in my spot in line and I didn't get to ride it till one yeah. thirty that day, that's a very, very grumpy brick. He was like, I don't care about it. I'm going to join the Empire. He's <laughs> like, where's a part of the ride where I just join up? Kyle Ren sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, that changed everything. So I can totally see that that eye of the beholder, like how much you wait for it. Um, it's interesting with the Tron project, Louis. It looks like they're building the visuals of it, and then they're just going to step away from it for a while that's what all the, the bloggers are saying i don't know what you know uh but it it looks as if they're like gonna get some of the show like kind of get it in place so it's not a complete eyesore yeah, i heard that too and then let it sit for a minute which is sad to see something that looks amazing you mm-hmm. can't do it but also kind of cool like well let's not just we'll spend enough money so it's not an eyesore yeah i had heard that they were uh they were holding out on the inside and just getting the outside done just to, to wait. And Louis may be able to offer more than that, but I, I could see where they want to like, we're not ready to open this yet like we were going to. So let's just finish the outside and then the inside because it's inside. We don't have to worry as much about it and we'll get to that. So you're not just having this construction hanging out for you know months and months and months. Yeah, no, I don't know much of anything about what's going on out there. Um, and even Tron, I haven't seen much. Is that a themed, like, is the attraction itself themed? And I just asked the question because I've been on Haggard's. I know mm, we're talking Universal, mm-hmm. but that is a great attraction. Yeah. That, that is, I consider, themed, you know, not just the vehicles. So, I mean, you know, it might be a short attraction, but a themed attraction is more than just a roller coaster. Yeah, it's it's short, too, because it's inside, and they have that thing. It, it's it's hauling, because that's a launching coaster, and I think okay. they, it gets up to 60 miles an hour, so it's hauling. Like, it's, it doesn't have And leaning the, down like that. Yep. That 60 is going to feel like 100. <laughs> And you get like a much longer, like people loving credit coaster because that's a launching coaster, but it's massive, like and so big it could not be in a building. And you get this long experience because even rock and roller coaster at Hollywood Studios, that ride also is like fifty seconds, fifty seconds a minute long. And I and it's cute that they try to crowbar some show on a credit coaster, mm-hmm. but it's not a show. Ride. Yeah, it's not a show. I mean, it just goes, <laughs> it goes so fast. Uh, there's no way you could count fifteen Jack Jacks. Yeah. I remember people were like, "How come they didn't make the anim- the figures move?" And I was like, "You're going by at forty miles an hour. Yeah. What could they do in that time that you saw them? Like, you're, you've already passed Dash. Like, he's it's gone." I, I will say, in the battle of Tron and uh, the Harry Potter attraction. Mm-hmm. That one has way more show in it because I've watched ride alongs with mm-hmm. both. But as far as like a what would you want in your park because it looks beautiful, yeah. And because I mean, you're literally on that that bike and you shoot underneath that canopy and mm-hmm. then you go when you go inside, yeah. There's just light work all around mm-hmm. you. Like I I would love to see it from your own vision, yes. Because seeing photos and videos of it is one thing, but seeing like a POV of it and the very first bike, mm-hmm. it'd be probably pretty rad. But yeah. then I'd be like, that was a minute and a half of my life. <laughs> what are we going to do next? <laughs> what do you have for number seven? All right, number seven, uh, I have the uh, uh, Princess and the Frog redo for Splash Mountain. Oh, number seven for me. I almost had this at 12. Okay. But I'll tell you why. All right. But I need to hear your um, The Its placement is due to the source material. Uh, Prince of the Frog is fantastic. I'm glad Tiana's going to be in the park. Um, however, I, I would have much rather her have gotten her own standalone attraction than having them redo Splash Mountain. Uh, 
especially with what we just got out of being the beast mm-hmm. uh, you know a standalone design at, and I'm like oh like Tiana's not gonna get this she's gonna get you know they're gonna make it have a a log be in it for some reason and well you know the log in the movie <laughs> you know that log where she takes a log to kiss the prince <laughs> that's right. and then he turns into a frog and they're gonna redo this space and I I know that I've, I, I, I trust Imagineering to have a great attraction but knowing because that's my problem with Incredicoaster taking a license as fantastic as the Incredibles and now I'm I'm pretty sure they're like we don't need to make an Incredibles attraction a standalone because they have one in California. I'm like, oh, that is that's like we've talked about that for Inside Out. I think yeah, like Inside Out, this incredible movie which would make a fantastic dark ride has oh. been limited to a spinner. And I'm yeah. like, oh, like this movie is so elaborate and like Dumbo, you get it. It's a very simple film. It spins, you're done. But taking elaborate concepts and bringing them into a very small sp- that that's the part that's like, oh, Tiana, you gotta. You know, they're going to put you in this mountain, and I'm like, oh, you know. So I have this at eight. Okay. I was going to put it at 12. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on here. This one actually affects me because this is in my home park, mm-hmm. and this will be something that I ride. It'll be a part of my life. Yeah. So I put it up higher because I should be more excited about this than a hotel in Paris that I'm never going to stay But the reason why I have it at eight is because I'm already sick of people complaining about oh, it. I hear you. And the thing that I. This is a hard thing to get out in a clean way, so just trust me that I have good intentions here. I hate when something is labeled as a racist thing, mm-hmm. and then they take it and and turn it over to the offended culture that was a part of yeah. it. Yeah. Because forever, there will be people that will see this as a very divisive thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they just took something that was racist, made it non-apolitical, just like an, all the different animal attractions movies, yeah. you know what I mean? Like Jungle Cruise, like just something that just got it onto a whole different conversation, then it would just be over with. Yeah. But it's like they haven't even put a shovel in the ground. It's already a thing. Yeah. It's already a thing. There's already people complaining. about, And there's also this bizarre sector of Disney fandom that has taken it as like a badge of honor that they're a, a, a forever Splash Mountain fan. Yeah. And I just Disneyland is my escapism. Mm-hmm. When this was like when kneeling started happening in the NFL, I believe why those players got down on their knees. But the hubbub that came around it, it, it's like, you know, I just I'm already sick of the debate. I'm also sick of every time I post videos, there's these like Splash Mountain weirdos that just show up and they're just like, I'm not going to a park. I'm like, okay, okay. You have Mega Mountain. I don't care. But just <laughs> let me have my Disneyland. So because of all that divisiveness and I just kind of feel like they're trying to do something good and I applaud them for that. I applaud them for going for diversity. But it's kind of like, you know, the foundation's already a little bit wobbly. Yeah. So I look forward to like 2015 when this isn't even yeah no we're already past 2015 (laughs) i look forward to 15 years in the future when this is just like it you can hardly even remember when it was splash we moved on to another thing to be upset about yeah yeah. (laughs) i remember they're pirates instead of salesmen (laughs) that's the funny thing about splash is to me my recollection is because when it first opened Mm -hmm. i was excited as a kid yeah and the whole thing was and we didn't have cable but we went across the street to the our friend's house that had cable to go watch Ernest goes on splash mountain Mm -hmm. and and, oh wow and he was the one so to me i associate Ernest with it it. yeah if you're listening go look it up (laughs) great videos but yeah no, it is amazing of how it's turned to now. Uh, you know, uh, what side are you on? Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. a, a very divisive thing, and it's just like 
you know, and if I've learned anything as a, a white guy in 2020, <laughs> it's not my decision to make. If people say they're offended by it, then they're offended by it. And I want everybody to go to Disneyland and feel represented and have a good time. So it's it's not it's not up to me. And yeah. and if, if it needs to change, then I'm all for the change because I want people to feel good when they go and do things. I am, unlike most people, I have seen the body of work. I am from the South. I saw it in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand what the, the body of work is. I, I kind of know what Walt was going for. It was risky then. It would be a crazy gamble. <laughs> It'd be a great coming to Disney Plus in 2022. <laughs> so I just say, let's just move on and move forward. But I kind of hate that it'll always be like, you know, this thing ancestor into this louis to me one of the things that is fascinating about this golden era of theme parks though is taking something that the great um tony baxter designed specifically for this one thing right like the entire every nook and cranny as you said you got to make it to where you can see it from all angles everything was designed to be splash mountain and then they go in there and they go how do we turn this into something else yeah like that puzzles me on how you can take Incredicoaster, it was like putting some decorations on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the um, Inside Out was once again sort of set piecing it. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. Yeah, they did a good job with it. Way better than when it was Flix. But this one right here, like rechanging the story, but having to keep that that footprint, that to me seems like an unbelievable design and architectural challenge. It is. I mean, yeah. I'm sure people have been working on it even before this. I mean, you know, it was... No, man, they just did it because it got weird. <laughs> they just did it because it got weird in July. They drew that concept out real quick. And <laughs> when people said that, I'm like, you have showed yourself as an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, no, there's, there's many concepts that are out there that uh, uh, that get thrown out, and then you know, all, nothing gets thrown out, and that's why they call it Blue Sky. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so... Uh, but, yeah, no, I... I, I it, and that's a tough one too because as you mentioned Tony Baxter being on it you know I mean his legacy behind the park is just amazing but um, hopefully you know he'll help out and yeah uh, I know they've got him sort yeah. of giving it his mm-hmm. blessing and being attached to it and I'm sure mm-hmm. at this point he's like I could kind of go with that not being on my resume yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly it does seem like an impossible challenge though to take this footprint and re-sculpt it into something else number six sir number six for me uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Number six. I was thinking with you being a super Marvel fan that that'd mm-hmm. be way higher. Yeah, this one, and I am pr- I would almost put it higher if it weren't for the list that we have. Yeah. Um, get, and then it goes again to my thing about coasters, and it's like, you know, they are great, but I will always take a dark ride every single time sure. over that. Sure. Every, without question. Because the experience is fast. Like, I appreciate that they are building this as a storytelling coaster. So I'm like, okay, you've got me intrigued. Um, they've touted it as one of the longest or longer indoor coasters ever created. So I thought, like, you got me intrigued. I'm not going to get my minute Tron experience. Hey, I'm Rocket. Thanks for showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and the music plays out. <laughs> um, and the, the effort they're putting into storytelling is evident with the vehicles they've designed where they are turning oh, yeah. to face show elements so i'm like it's a doom buggy on speed yeah man. so i'm like this is not going to be a coaster where i'm turning my head as i go by at 40 miles an hour they are turning my vehicle to look at something so which gives that control like mm-hmm. in the haunted mansion like we now want you to look here yep we now want you to look here so you're controlling the perspective of your audience because like disney coasters to me they are they are great they are some of the best coasters anywhere as far as storytelling concerns but 
um, they all have their limitations. Like to me, I still think the best that they've done ever, as far as a coaster is concerned, is Expedition Everest and uh, Animal Kingdom. When are they going to fix that truck, <laughs> <laughs> Joe? Joe, you were supposed to. You can't leave yet. You got to just. You got one Joe, more job. We got to bring you in for one more job. <laughs> What if all of a sudden the earring had the answer to fixing the... So I think... I have Cosmic Rewind at three. Okay. Because I'm going ahead and I'm buying this concept. Mm -hmm. This is Disney saying, we figured out speed, thrill, and story. Yes. Because in my imagination of how this works, and I've got really high expectations, and this is actually one of those things where it's like, I will not go to Epcot like full I mean you know if someone wants to hook me up I'll be there but full price Jones <laughs> mm-hmm. this has to be done before I go yeah and you do not want to see construction walls around that when no you get there. <laughs> because I really want to ride this because in my mind I'm going to be going like crazy fast around a bunch of IMAX screens yeah and I love the idea of turning around I love the idea of being in these big dome screens I love that Guardians uses a lot of like rock and roll and mm-hmm. like adding in the the rock element to uh, the Tower of Terror redo just made it such a different experience yes. especially monsters after monsters <laughs> our joke of JD putting that in the cassette the tech home. in the Camaro as he's like burning rubber out of the back of the, the Team Disney Anaheim building. Oh, I love that so much with the T-tops and that <laughs> cool hair right. blowing. Yes. But I, I, I think that I, my expectations are this one is going to really mm-hmm. go someplace because the idea of like spinning around on these big screens, um, I will probably only ever ride this once because I know for sure it's going to make me sicker mm-hmm. than a dog. I hope that you don't have to wear 3D glasses mm-hmm. and rides that require 3D glasses are probably in a real weird pickle with where we're at right yes. now where, you know, face shields mm-hmm. and you're like, what are these disposable face 3D face shields <laughs> we get to wear? But I, I just, I really, really think this one has the promise to be something epic. This is a property that they know what they, what they have with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say... It could have maybe been my number one, but when they showed the photos from what yeah. is what is the convention that you go to every year? The Dishers, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the the track was kind of like pasta tied in a noodle. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it in a knot. Like it was kind of like it. It. I was expecting that this is like a big dark ride. So you're yeah. like you're you're shooting through a room and you go here and you're like almost like a big haunted mansion going really really fast. When I saw that the track was very intricate and spun around, I'm like. That looks like Space Mountain to me. Mm-hmm. So it'll be curious where it goes, but I have promise in this in this one will go that way. Louis, uh, chicken or the egg? Do they create an idea for an attraction and then build a cart, or does somebody come up with an idea with a cart and then they go, we could do something with this? I think it's both. It, they both happen at the same time? Or whichever one comes first yeah. meaning you know we have this technology how do we use it or we have this idea how do we make technology that could do it oh yeah so yeah, so, yeah I, i've seen both uh, in past experiences um there's been times that we've we've designed a space but we don't have the technology for that space yet. Mm-hmm. and then we have to wait for the technology and uh that's where disney's amazing when you go to that um conference mm-hmm. every uh fall are there a lot of third-party people there that are showing, like, hey, you know, are there, like, the Garner Holtz Productions-type companies there oh, yeah. that are showing their wares? 
Yeah, you, you'll get Triotech and all the, the big old companies that are, um, like, example being, you know, uh, the Knott's Berry Farm attraction, um, the Knott's Berry Tales. Mm-hmm. They Which was supposed to come back this fall, right? Correct, and mm-hmm. they showcased that one, I think it was a couple of years ago at IAPA, showing the car and, and what they were going to do, the technology that they use for Legoland, where, and kind of almost sounds like, to me, the, the Spider-Man ride has that technology where mm-hmm. you're just using your hands. Yes. So that was probably about five years ago that I was at IAPA, and we were doing that, just mm-hmm. using your hands, and then ended up at Legoland first. So the technology is always there. But uh, like I said, I, Disney's one of those that don't let technology hinder their design. Yeah. They design it. The story comes. The story's the critical part. Mm-hmm. Everything has a story. And, and I hear you say it all the time. You know, I mean, down to uh, uh, most of these stories aren't even told. But there's a story for, for anything that's being And told. I love that. And also, there's enough pieces there where you can tell yourself your own story, which in a way, I mean, it's not canon, but if it, yeah. if it's yeah. like, you know, my whole thing, like Carthay and Sleeping Beauty being the bookends of greatness, mm-hmm. like original work, but <laughs> it, it makes sense. And those are the type of things where it's like you can, the, the pieces are so good that you can kind of envision whatever you want. No, I, I even enjoy like listening when you talk about in front of Carthay. You're, you're, you have a story for the way the curb's painted when you say, oh, I wait over here where the taxi is and not the valet area outside. <laughs> <laughs> but look at that. I mean, they painted a curb and you, you created your own story. I just, I, hook, line, and sinker. I went right with <laughs> you it. got it. What do you have for number five, sir? All right. Number five, I have the one they, I was curious they didn't talk about was the uh, Arendelle World of Frozen at Hong Kong Disneyland. Hmm. So the, interesting for the so the first frozen theme land i put there um it was interesting that they didn't bring that up because it's slated even as of right now i think it's still slated to be done by the end of next year because they have moved forward with it um and you'll see a theme in my last the last or my my high numbers but um that one interests me because not only are they going to get a uh, more enhanced version of the attraction that exists at, exists at Epcot, but they're also going to get a unique attraction. The Epcot one was a retrofit too, mm-hmm. right? Of Maelstrom, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're getting a standalone version in Hong Kong, which will you know have its own footprint, and they can add more to it because they're not confined to what was given to them prior. And they're also getting a unique attraction to themselves only, which is a family-style coaster themed to like the Wandering Oakens with Sven and Olaf. So um, I'm interested in that. Um, also them translating the world of frozen to a walk around space i'm excited for um just because the, the you know that like uh it's not from norway arendelle is kind of based on that a little bit but that like type of architecture and walking through that village and seeing the castle her well, mountain what they just did with beauty and the beast yeah. mm-hmm. and that whole, like that attraction's phenomenal but the, the area, the, the area going, around it, so and good. how you just go on the other side, and it's just like a Mickey's or a, a Minnie's like popcorn shop, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Like just all of a sudden, that's gone, baby. Mm-hmm. You're now you're back in the the mouse mouse verse. But yeah, I, to me, you're bringing up a great point. I have this at uh, seven because I'm ready to let it go. But <laughs> <laughs> but what I like about these type of attractions is that village that accompanies yes. them. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, you know, I, I believe that at some point, Fantasyland will skew over to Fantasia Gardens oh, where yeah. the old, old motorboats are. I see Fantasyland being more timeless and going that direction. 
And a lot of people are like, well, that's where Frozen would go because there's a mountain right across from it. And I just, <laughs> I, I don't think they want to put Matterhorn in Arendelle. I just don't see yeah. that happening. And I would see uh, the Beauty and the Beast attraction going over there. Mm-hmm. Now, that attraction would be great. And I would ride it, uh, you know, a handful of times when yeah. you hook me up with the passes. Thank you very much <laughs> for skipping the line. I appreciate, the wait is like four hours a day. But, uh, you know, I know Philander, so I'm in the front. That's fine. But that village would be an every trip. Yeah, path, I see Ricky know? sitting on a bench in uh, Arendelle. Just oh. uh, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> the Starbucks, Norton and Yurts. Just keep me away from Josh Gad. I'm having a great time. <laughs> so I could see that the village is for all. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. and I and I love that. But um, I have that at, at at seven just because you know there were other things that got my fancy a mm-hmm. little bit more. What do you have for number four, sir? So number four. Uh, that one is going to be keeping with the trend, uh, Zootopia in Shanghai. Um, that one, uh, the, the actual place of Zootopia is a fantastic, fantastically designed area and them translating it to an actual real space. I'm really intrigued with, um, the description of their, cause it's supposed to be like a mini land. They said the description of their main e-ticket, uh, was exciting to read. And then the size of the show building that I saw is even more exciting because it is massive. It's like a Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a Walmart sitting out there. So, Louis, this attraction, I have it at five. Mm -hmm. Uh, This attraction is exactly what you talked about at the beginning of our recording. This is literally them building, like, fake stuff, right? Like, you will see something that is an over-exaggerated, like, out of scale, like, mm-hmm. building or, you know, inanimate object. But then someone has to say, well, you know, once you go beyond that skin, it's all by code. It's a steel beam this way and that every four feet and this every six inches. Like, yeah. to me, the fact that you've seen a lot of these things with the skin off and, you know, because when they were first building the spires of Black Spire Outpost, you're like, how is this going to turn into rocks? Yeah. yeah, like it's fascinating. So, th- what they're doing there is is building the impossible, and that part of Disney parks is what I just love. So, even though I'm not a Zootopia guy, mm-hmm. just yeah. seeing the photos and the walkthrough videos yeah. of this, and and when Disney does like, remember when they were getting us pumped up and they did that drone fly through with the my lord i mean they're just like i'm already gonna give you my money bob but i'll take the drone footage too. i'll take it too how how interesting is it for you when you see this weird thing they're building and then you actually see the construction behind it or can you just kind of look at it and you know enough to know oh i see i know the gimmick that's going on behind the scenes here oh no it's it's tough i mean even uh Best example of that is Toontown. I mean, mm. Toontown oh, I was a land Toontown. that <laughs> there is not a straight line. Yeah. So t- tell that to not not just an architect can draw, you know, not a straight line, um, but uh, the builder, the contractor that has to build that. So I've heard the stories behind Toontown where I mean, just there's not one same detail in that land because every everything was unique. So um, and that's that's part of the fun, the challenge of that. So yeah, every every land needs to be looked at differently. See that to me is amazing because I've had to do some interactions with contractors, and if I know anything, they're like, uh, "We want to do it this way." I'm like, 
I understand that it's easier, but I'm the guy that owns the home, and yeah. I would really <laughs> love that power outlet to be here mm-hmm. and not you know six feet over there where it's easier for you. So I can only imagine like trying to get people to understand like no 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 there are no right angles like I know that's the yeah. way it's supposed to go. But we're going to put wire mesh over that. We're going to make it look rounded. Now, just just as there's you know designers that are interested in this type of thing, there's contractors that are amazing. I mean, that I, love this challenge. Yeah, I mean, the rock work people are probably oh. some of the the most talented mm-hmm. that I've I've you know been able to work with, and uh, they you can go in there with a sketch on a napkin, and they go, I got it. Don't worry about it, and it, and it's amazing. So there's stuff that we can't even draw. Yeah, and, and I mean, and so I mean, you see that around the parks a lot of the time. You know, it's something that how did they even draw that from a designer's point of view? More than likely, they didn't. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just the artistic ability of somebody, and that's what's amazing. Yeah, it, to me, it's always a fascinating to say. You know, we know what it's supposed to look like, but the, the the skeleton inside of it that's holding it up. That's what I'm curious about. And I watched over on Netflix; they did a a, a new season of films that made us they did holiday mm. films that made us uh, the narrator's horrible but in the second <laughs> the second one they did nightmare before christmas first one was elf and it was hard to watch even though it's one of my favorite movies second one nightmare before christmas the editing's at a little bit of a slower pace it's a little bit easier to consume uh but the point is is that one of tim burton's rules on the style guide of the films no right angles mm. and when they showed him some of the earlier work he said the other rule is black gray white and orange I don't want any other colors. When they're in Halloween land, everything is some sort of combination of those. But when you think about that movie, there are no right angles. Now that you say that about Toontown, it's the exact same thing, which when you go in there, your brain understands like it's a street, it's buildings, like there's recognizable things, but that animated part of it just makes it feel so magical. Yeah. I cannot wait for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Yes. I kind of feel like it's a Tron situation where they're just <laughs> building the box and then they're going to just like hold off on putting it inside of there because uh, that thing is going up really, yeah. really fast for pandemic times. <laughs> but I think when that bad boy gets in there, Toontown's here to stay. Yeah. That's right. And it's going to be crowded again. I know. I was like, I, I, I laugh because I've shown guests walking back there you can still see the drilled holes in the ground for where they had to have people queue up for Toontown because it's a very limited space and you can only pull so many people back there and they'll have to figure out crowd flow again for that area because now you put a new you know, D slash E ticket in the back of Toontown, in the very back of the park in this little small area. And now you got everybody going to the far back of the park to do this new thing and they have to have to create a new space uh where are we going to put all these people at see i just love that that's your problem i i, just, I love <laughs> i love that that's where your brain goes Every and time i mean you showed me those holes in the ground for like <laughs> hey this is the overrun for galaxy's edge it's like yes it is <laughs> <laughs> i've been back like, here 30 times i never looked like for they're those. already they're thinking about where are we going to put all these extra I, people I, I love that so much <laughs> what do you have for number four um let's see oh no four was my zootopia three okay. Uh, three, I have the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> um, that one's that one's that one is I'm very excited about. It's not my top, but this is a new era of storytelling for Disney. So they are now going to be really at the forefront of some new thing, and I know the industry is going to be watching this thing because now they're doing essentially a two to three night experience where you are wrapped in a story that's based that you can be a part of for for you know two days yeah. and then coupled with the insane thing of 
And I saw the concept art of them getting you on the shuttle to take you to Batuu. I was like, oh, this is... <laughs> come on, man. I was like, this is wild. Come like, on. This uh, this is like really amazing. And I, I know it's going to be... I have to do... I told Holly, my wife, I have to do it at least one time. Like, it's not something you do every time you visit, but... You ready for my plan? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for Slimy Bricky's plan? <laughs> Let's hear it. By the time that the Galactic Star Cruiser is mm-hmm. built... Hopefully, I will have created enough trust with the audience. I'm talking to you at home. <laughs> I'm going to pre-sell okay. a Star Wars story by me, mm-hmm. an original story, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to pre-sell a Star Wars story that I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to take that pre-sell money, I'm going to buy my tickets to go there, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go and stay there. And you know how you create your own Star Wars story? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. I'm going to be the biggest villain on the Star Cruiser. <laughs> I'm going to take excellent notes, and then I will come home and I will produce whatever happened for me in there for everybody at home. All right. So for folks that don't have three to five thousand, you can pay me ten to twenty dollars, <laughs> and I'm going to go there and do this, fully produce the whole thing, and tell you my Star Wars story. Tell me that ain't the best scam you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to live vicariously through this guy. It's going to be great. I, I think the interesting one on that, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it put me into a space and allow me to get, you know. But um, people's attention spans yeah. nowadays. You know, Louis, I'm worried about how do they get people to participate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Darth Bricky, I'm there on a mission, so I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I got two kids and on their phone. I mean, their attention spans are like yeah. we're talking minutes. They now, have to so. take people's phones to make this work. Mm-hmm. I agree. They have to because two and a half days. This is kind of how I've storyboarded out my mind. The first night you get there, you're excited. They give you they give you a tire to wear. Yeah. I would think that they probably like. I don't know if they're going to do what they do at concerts where they like zip your, your phone up in one of those bags or whatever, mm-hmm. but they got to get people's devices away from them. And I think that the first day is sort of like an orientation, like here's the deck, here's how yeah. we do everything. Then I think the second day is when it, starts. it gets invaded. And now you all have to start working together as a team. And I have a feeling on that second day, that will be when after hours or Batu will close early, mm-hmm. you get on that pod bus mm-hmm. that takes you over there's a part of your quest over there and by the end of that second night the celebration is, is that you guys have made it through this conquest yeah then the checkout day now these people that were strangers two days ago feel like buds you have breakfast you do all these things and then you pack it all up you get out they clean it and then the next crew comes in but yo the idea of what if we do cruises but we don't have to build boats <laughs> is, yeah it's fascinating mm-hmm. man. i agree and that's why the one reason i like cruises mm-hmm. is because i turn my phone off yeah so i'm like i said i'm all for that but it'll be interesting because i hope everyone plays along and that's the thing if you get people that don't play along or you get like i hate that i have to do this dad i mean this is a certain genre of people a certain amount of money sometimes you assume that you're going into it like yeah i'm paying this i'm you know thousands of dollars to experience my family like we're we're in like the fans are coming but there's that crazy executive Mm -hmm. dad who's like i love star wars you're gonna love star wars for my kids so I'm just your, here. Get your brat in the cab. You know, like, <laughs> so it, it's going to be interesting because my biggest fear about Galactic Star Cruiser is where we were going to go with Batu mm. and how quickly they kind of got away from story. Now, this is a different price point. This is a different customer. This is a captive yeah. audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have to deliver on this. Yeah. But I'm curious, will wherever the Galactic Star Cruiser starts out on its first year, where will it be at its 10th? Yeah. 
how does that story adapt you know because it would be smart on their part where they tell a certain sort of story and adventure for a certain term and then they send out that email we have you know we have a new story basically oh, you know okay. what I mean? so you can yeah. get that because i mean you wouldn't want to go do the same thing over and over again over and over again mm-hmm. but if every 18 months or when a new project comes what? out <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i just i have this at number two because a lot of times disney does a thing where they sit back they let other people kind of like apple Mm-hmm. They let other people take a swing at things, and they don't run to do it first because yeah. they're just going to perfect it before they release mm-hmm. it. This is actually Disney putting their neck out and yeah. being like, we're going to go back to being innovators. We're going to do something that the competition hasn't done yet. Yeah. Um, but it does take a certain amount of self-confidence or maybe a different kind of confidence to go, I'm going to LARP for two days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. It's a different mindset. I mean- I could never get Beth to do this with me, <laughs> right? There's no way. Like, never. That's why I'm going the Kickstarter, the Brickstarter way. Mm-hmm. So it, you can buy your ticket ahead of time, and then you'll get my Star Wars story, and I will, I will live forever. Yeah, so Beth, I'm going to be off the grid for like two days. <laughs> but even more than the adventure, I, I'm interested in like the food, yeah. the, the dinner, I mean, the breakfast, you know, going all out, the theming. Because, again, when you open a land or something, you're, you're thinking about all that. Mm-hmm. So no, I, that, that would probably be my number one if I had one. Well, we didn't let you get one. I know. Sorry, go on. Number two, number two Phil Leonard. You're just our expert. You're just our expert. Um, for, number, for me, number two is going to be uh, Fantasy Springs at Tokyo. At Tokyo. Nice. Um, I am absolutely over the moon. And this would have been my number one if my number one wasn't what it is. But Yeah, well. Um, Tokyo just has a has a they, they, their record, you know, and then seeing what is to come there their idea and this is like a 34 acre land i mean this this is you know plus the hotel they're building there which an amazing hotel that will look into this land which is already like a huge thing on my list for that but getting a big land that has these mini lands that are all connected um you're getting a uh, tangled so first time using that property which is really great um another version of frozen and then my highlight the uh, Peter Pan or Neverland area because they are. Have you be... seen that rock work? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that rock work? I, I, yeah, I've seen the image. Oh my oh, lord! Yeah. Oh my lord! Just so well done. And then we are finally getting a new Peter Pan style attraction, which is my like number one like. Here we go because they have no no. You're gonna say here we go. You, you, yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Here we go. And I mean they. Here been, we go. <laughs> here we go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Yeah, in the front. Um, but they have taken that classic one from you know Disneyland 55 and you know enhanced it over the years. This one at Shanghai is beautiful because it is a new version of this same attraction. But getting a new attraction from this same property that we've seen i'm really excited about what they do with it um and there's rumors of it being soren or flight of passage style you with you flying you know over neverland so i'm really excited what they do with that property but tokyo's record for um really almost anything that they do and then based off that concept war uh, artwork the scale the, the scale yeah. size um these three intersecting properties but kind of merging in the middle as one like i'm i'm so ready like that for me the guardians for you is i'm not going to asia until that is done i mean i have this fantasy of 
going over to Asia and like while I'm here, <laughs> I'm knocking them all out. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, the big do Asia a, trip. Do all three of them. Boom, 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 boom. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're that far, why not? Oh, yeah. Just get it all over mm-hmm. with and do it. And this looks fantastic. I always love. I mean, I love attractions, but a new land. Yeah. A new land is is, is fascinating. Louis, uh, have you ever had any experience of designing anything in that fantasy land design? No. Uh, well, no. I mean, nothing like a whole new land or anything like that. But no, it would be. I mean, again, those those, those concepts are just started many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure when someone's writing a movie, you're, you're already thinking about that land. Right. At least, again, going through college and stuff like that, I would take a lot of those ideas and just create them in my own mind so i'm going to ask again have you ever had any experience working on anything that looked like fantasy land <laughs> no nothing i could think of all right he's not gonna, be, he's like, he's not gonna bite on it <laughs> I, I mean you know you both know the original fantasy land mm-hmm. here in uh anaheim i only know the the newer one the, the 80 remake i have to think if walt somehow came to the park today that would be what he'd be most proud of oh 100 percent. i mean it it looks so beautiful in there and when you saw them do the beauty and the beast attraction Mm -hmm. it just reminded you of how down they have that look that like european village yes Yes. it's it's perfect well and the thing about when Fantasyland, we we got our our sneak peek going on the skyway so you were going mm. across the skyway looking down into that land being built. Oh, while they were doing the yeah. construction. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, wow. I mean, I remember those years going there and, oh, got to go on the skyway. Mm-hmm. And again, being into, you know, the design and stuff, I mean, I would just go back and forth. That's great. Yeah. Like, oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> they can't cover the whole top of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's also something about that design, how they do so well at compartmentalizing everything. Like mm-hmm. every six feet is another nook. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the marvel of, you know, Main Street was the beta of that. Mm -hmm. And if you look over at BVS, you know, there's even more of that going on where everything's like, you know, super tiny. But that look really, really pushes itself to a whole other level when you get into our fantasy land because every, you know, couple of feet, like, you know, that little bridge that sticks out from the Pinocchio show Mm -hmm. building. Yep. Nobody could go across that bridge. (laughs) But in my heart, I never left it. Like I love the way all that looks. So yeah, you're right. A whole new, massive. Did you say 34 acres, mm-hmm. including and, the hotel? Yeah. Oh, did you know that uh, Star Wars Galaxy Edge is 14? <laughs> Dude, it's three Star Wars Galaxy edges. That's insane. I have it at number four because I had the Star Cruiser at two because mm-hmm. of just the innovation. Um, but yeah, man, it, any new land. If you can't go there, when somebody releases that POV video of just walking around and yep. showing you everything, I'm all all ears. Like things that I love doing is getting that new breaking news, seeing that new concept art, and seeing that walkthrough, all from the comfort of my toilet. Like I just <laughs> I sit there and I'm just like like in awe. Like my job's been done for forever, but I just sit there and I just look at it and I study it and I love it. Thank you're, you, Mike. You're looking for that video and you're like, well, YouTube, uh, there it is. Fantasy Springs, two hours. <laughs> Walk through. He's I'm like, in it. That's mine. I'm in it. Beth, I'll see you in a while. <laughs> Your number one, my number one, I think we're at the same spot. The campus. It affects us. Yeah. It's our it's life. My home, my, my home base, that will be a big part of the things I'm doing for the foreseeable future, at least until um, uh, Runaway Railway and uh, Tiana, you know, join us at Disneyland. But that is a, 
you know, there was stuff I was working on to start, you know, it, it's been there. The property is something I love. Um, and even the thing that I know it'll take me a while to see, but the connection that they've established with Paris and Hong Kong. So them giving us a theme park universe to go alongside the, the cinematic universe yeah. uh, is, is great. I mean, I, w- I was in love before they said that, but now knowing that there's small nods that will be represented in Hong Kong, if I go there and they're, oh, they're going to talk about, you know, and they're talking about the Spider-Man thing in Hong Kong, or if you go to Paris, uh, I love this, like that is fantastic. And I'm going to be like loving to see how they intertwine those together. Now they almost did that with Galaxy's Edge. Mm -hmm. They were going to make, you know, our spaceport different than the one on the East. So they would kind of tell the story and, and to some degree, I really, really wish they would have done that. Now Mm -hmm. I understand when you look at the land, like, okay, would you want this, you know, half done or what you got now. Yeah. You know, they had to split up the same budget. So I understand. But the fact that these different headquarters are just that, they're headquarters. And there's a different crew and a different sort of thing in all of them. I love that. I have a couple of concerns. It's okay. a really, really small footprint of land. Very small. For what I think in the long run is going to be their most profitable yeah. arm of the company. I mean, Star Wars is great. Don't get me wrong. But pound for pound, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been the big winner way over Pixar way over I mean it is the most valuable like franchise going Mm -hmm. so it's a really really small land you know that it's not going to grow towards cars yeah Uh, so Hollywood land Hollywood land I'm looking at you kid smoothies what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) just whatever they do they got to preserve that back I was going to say why do you think they haven't (laughs) fixed it just carve that out and then let you take it home could you imagine Beth I bought this in an auction it's a dirty yellow wall I know but it was once on Disney property (laughs) it's going to have a new home here (laughs) it's the best dirty wall you've ever seen no I mean I'm a little bit worried about the size of it Mm -hmm. and you know I'm a, what I would like to think of as a sophisticated, like intellectual Disney Park fan, and mm-hmm. I would never use intellectual, but I can use it for me next to when I, my love of Disneyland, uh-huh. not in the real world. Um, I can already hear people complaining about Avengers Campus yeah. because we're spoiled. Well, we used to be spoiled entitled mm-hmm. brats. If 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 in the in the other alternate universe, if we would have got Avengers Campus literally like just a year and some weeks after Galaxy's Edge, yeah. It would have just gotten reamed in the blogosphere. Mm-hmm. But 2020 has made yeah. people feel grateful. Oh, yeah. We'll be salivating over it now. Oh. <laughs> so I think that it will get a much warmer reception. Uh, but it is it is a small footprint, and it's kind of surrounded on all edges. But, mm-hmm. man, the buildings that we can see are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm most excited about this land. Web Slingers, I'm sure it'll be cool. Opening day, I'm running right over to the Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. I, I just want to see what in the <laughs> world is going on over there. And I also want to see what that build-out looks like. Yeah. You know, like, I'm so obsessed with how they can do the perfect patina of decay. Mm-hmm. This column that looks war-torn mm-hmm. is brand new, but it looks like 300 years old. I love that. <laughs> but what I love about this land is we got a lot of up-high stages yes. in Galaxy's Edge that, for whatever reason, they decided not to use. This one, they're going to be using those stages mm-hmm. because it's small. There's not a ton of attractions going on. And burr, 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 <laughs> flying Spider-Man. <laughs> so they've invested money in that animatronic, which means that the rooftops are going to come alive. And yeah, that part I'm excited to see. I think the part that's going to help it being so small is the fact that there's so much entertainment in it that they're going to, that's going to create a sense of like it being 
a lot more is going on than what's available as far as walking space because you have Spider-Man flying, then you have the stunt show, then you have Doctor Strange, and then you have the um, the Dormelage, which will be they have a show teaching kids. Like there's so much kinetic, like there's so many things happening that it will feel like it will reward. The longer you stay there in the land, it will reward you as opposed to what can I walk around and see? Because oh yeah, I, I've already been hearing like I've been trying to tell people, well, it's not the 14 acre Galaxy's Edge, right? You know, it's not the 12 acre Cars Land. You're getting a much more confined footprint, but they're packing a lot into that space for you. It'll be interesting to see how all that show comes together mm-hmm. because the Marvel Universe has so many different characters. And by the way, end of the year, last episode, we have a surprise guest. Hello, <laughs> I am Taskmaster. <laughs> Welcome to my new land. Welcome to my lair. Hey, Taskmaster, what's up? <laughs> I'm looking for a little bit of work right now. I was supposed to start in July, and now I'm on pause. I've been selling spider bots on the black market. <laughs> All right, well, Taskmaster, you have a great new year. We'll see you in the spring, buddy. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. See you, Taskmaster. <laughs> He's like, he was supposed to be taking over the campus, but it hasn't, hasn't opened yet for him to do it. So. Rough time to be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, what do you think about that? Oh, I that, can't even follow that. <laughs> what do you think about that footprint? I mean, that is a really tight space to design in. And not only that, but just uh, where it's located. I mean, you're not taking it on the outskirt like Toontown. Mm-hmm. It's a controlled atmosphere. Yeah. Galaxy's Edge, controlled atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is this one, you're coming into it from how many directions? Every angle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cars Land, I believe you're coming through the back end, you know, the front, the side. Um opportunity to grow you know perhaps into hollywood land um so it's an back to what you're saying philander it's an atmosphere that you're creating because Mm -hmm. right now there's one main attraction hopefully we'll get a second big attraction Mm -hmm. in the future but um how do you entertain through the land but and i think a lot of people are doing that you know what they missed out on batu what some people think they missed out on you Mm -hmm. know the entertainment back to what you're saying right they could take advantage of that here yeah, and I think they have to to really sell mm-hmm. it because of how small it is. You know, when you were saying that, Louis, in my mind, I was walking around in there and seeing all the different angles. I can't wait to see that new building that's on the backside of Luigi's. Oh, that's right, yeah. You know, the the, the building that on one side, it's like a... a like his tire shop or cast like his member, house. On our side, the mm-hmm. guest side, it's like the brickwork and it just makes Cars Land feel even more infinite. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to look at that building and just see Pumpkin Halloween to myself. <laughs> 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 well, that is the list. Avengers Campus number one because that's going to happen... In 21, I mean, <laughs> I mean more better. Too. <laughs> I've got the vaccine. I will make it work for everyone. Um, my question for you is this, Valerian. Well, I'm going to just, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm just going to say this. When DCA reopens, mm-hmm. it would be stupid to reopen it with yes. Avengers Campus open. Very like, much you, so. You got to pace those yeah. out. All right. I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't locked because I, you know, I'm now on this mindset that I don't think Disneyland should open until the storm has passed mm-hmm. just because of the vibe that DCA has created, even though I've had fun there. And I just think like you're going to get a rush of people that want to go back to the park. Yeah. And then you need to let that kind of calm down because it, you just, you know, when you give your kid too many gifts at Christmas, they don't know what to do with any of them. Yeah. But the fact that it's done. Yeah. And it's sitting there. And just this week, they took a bunch of cast members and gave them a treat and, and let them. Yeah, I heard uh, a couple of my friends. I was very jealous because they <laughs> got to do a little web slinging. And I was like, 
What about the kid? What about the kid? No. Yeah, I mean, I I read that in Mice Chat, and I thought that was really cool because I know, like, you can see on the faces of the cast members that I'm sure morale is a little bit different than what it normally is because you're normally, like, you know, doing all this fun stuff with people, and now you're just reminding people that their nose is part of their face, (laughs) which is not what you signed up for. Uh, So to hear that they rewarded some of the cast members with a a, a ride to do Web Slingers, that was really, really good. And I thought you might do that. You know that move where, like, athletes will, like, they'll, like, play just, like, one minute in one game so they can retire their jersey and be like, I retired Uh with this team. I thought you are like, I'm coming back. Today. I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm coming back just for just a single to, day. I'm back to death. I'm going to web sling and then I'm just going. Just like so shoot some webs. Yeah, that's Then I'm it. going back on furlough. Yeah, I had a couple of friends like call me and I was like, oh, all right. You know, so it's, uh, but it was good, all good stuff. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that was also one when they showed the photos, just how like Space 220, I was like, meh. <laughs> when I saw the actual ride vehicle. Oh, I coming got, in the station? Yeah. I got pretty hyped. <laughs> yeah. I got, it looked a lot better than what I was anticipating. Uh, I saw that during the IAPA part. And yeah, it was early in the morning. I was watching it on the computer. And yeah, that was one of those that makes you smile. You're just like, okay, this is going to be exciting. And I'm so fascinating because, you know, we're, we've talked tonight about retrofitting attractions. We're talking about the Bugs Land Theater, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it was a creepy hallway, mm-hmm. a really nice show, but how are you going to take me on an adventure in there? Yeah. So I am like, that will be the most fascinating thing to write it and then come out and be like, so that's where we used to see Bug. <laughs> that was a tough I think the same thing here. with uh, Little Mermaid and the Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, California. Yeah. <laughs> Golden Dreams. Yeah, same thing. That's the one you wish would have stayed, right? <laughs> Golden Dreams. But now it's even hard to remember Ariel when the lights were on. Yeah. Now that it's officially a dark ride, mm-hmm. that was, was kind of so bright in there. Yeah, that was kind of a wacky move of like, well, it's a dark ride, but with the lights on, <laughs> or the uh, the swirly ice cream hair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the dancing one. Yeah, but I do love the rubber arms on those fish that when, <laughs> oh, the when they're dancing. And yeah, and you see that little bit of pull in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have literally obsessed over every single detail there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Louis, thank you so much for joining us and having this conversation, man. It's been a p- privilege to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. So awesome to hear your your insight and uh, even more fun to hear it when you're not recording. <laughs> 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 hey, everybody. It has been a wild year. It has been my honor to come to you every single Wednesday, take you back into Disneyland, and uh, can't wait to do it next year. I hope you and your family have a very, very Merry Christmas or whatever holiday that you celebrate, and just remember that you know, Disney built the park, but the magic belongs to all of us and it belongs to our imagination. So as long as we have these imaginations, eh, I don't think they can ever technically close Disneyland because it stays alive in our minds, our imaginations, and most importantly, our hearts. Have a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I can't wait to see you back in January. Philander, thank you for doing this with me. Of course. Until next year. Taskmaster, thank you for showing up. I'll be back in the new year when I get proper employment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that the memories you've made will bring you back again soon.